Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team to left center deep god brewers lead it and a swing and a miss he struck him out down the line and that's the ball game hey brewers fans welcome to brewers unfiltered i'm brad ford the social media manager for the milwaukee brewers and we're going to be honest with you because today i'm joined by a tired band of misfits <laughs> adam and tim we're struggling today now I'm not. I'm caffeinated. I've been up for hours preparing for this uh, and getting ready to have great energy and bring it just like I do every day. Don't get out milligrammed. Well, something significant happened on the road trip. The Brewers DFA'd Lorenzo Kane, And, you know, as heartbreaking as it was, when you talked to Lorenzo Kane, it sounded like it was something that the team and Lorenzo knew was coming. And was kind of a mutual decision, which I think is pretty rare in those situations. You don't generally hear as a release being a mutual decision. But it did, as shocking as it was, and as big as this is for really one of the most significant moves of the Stearns era, it's probably something that's better for everyone involved, Adam, right? Yeah, look, um, you know, Christian Yelich said this, not many players get to choose the way it ends. Um, you're very lucky if you play a long time in the major leagues and then get to choose the way you go out. And Lorenzo Kane did have some some say over it. This isn't the ending he wanted. He would rather be the everyday center fielder and be contributing to what he you know believes is a really good team. And it it hasn't happened that way. He, I I he made the decision in 2020 to step away because it was the right call for his family, and that was that makes it the right call. But I, but. To me, there was an impact from that. It was not it was not the same after that. And I think it shows how hard this game is. When you miss that amount of time, man, it's really hard to come back and play at a super high level again. So that that had a big impact for me. But I mean, you talk about if you were to ask me, put together your list of the favorite guys to cover, I think he's on one hand. I mean, I, I wrote this in my newsletter this week that you know, there was always a negotiation with Lorenzo Kane to get time when you were with the media. He'd almost always let you win, but he but he always made you work. And it was really it was just a lot of fun dealing with him and watching him play, uh, as David Stern said, to w- watch himself scotch and tape himself together and go out there and run down balls, limp out to center field like he can't move and then go crash into a wall. Um, so a, a great player, a great career. One of the best stories in the history of Major League Baseball in terms of not playing baseball till the 10th grade. And, you know, good for him to, to have a great career. He won a World Series. He gets to go home and spend some time with those three kids. So congratulations to Locaine. And Tim, one of the big parts of that story is the Brewers really worked to get Kane to the 10-year mark to ensure he reached his full pension. Sure. How important is that milestone for players? That right there is what everybody tries for, right? You ask anybody that's coming into pro ball, what is your goal in this game? You know, people aren't going to say strikeouts or home runs. They're not going to say stuff like that. No stats. The only thing they're going to say is, I want 10 years in the show. That should be your goal. That should be everybody's goal that's in professional baseball. So for him to get that, that is huge. People think that just comes, right? Like you're just, oh, you go to the big leagues, you're just going to get 10 years. You have to be good. For those amount of years, like I think of yeah. Cal Ripken Jr., and he wouldn't have been playing shortstop for the 
Baltimore Orioles for that long had he not been good. Like, if he was bad, they'd be like, we'll go find somebody else. You have to be good to a certain extent. And when it comes to Lorenzo Cain, I, I thought about something that Mike Maddox, um, it's, you know, we're teams playing the Cardinals right now, saw him the other day, thought about this. One day in spring training, he said, when you're ready to leave this game, he's like, think about your career as, a, as like a bag. Like, you come in, your bag's full. You got all your stuff in it. You're ready to play. You're you're fully stocked. You're ready. He's like, you know you're ready to walk away from the game when that bag is empty. And you've done everything you can in this game. And watching Lorenzo Cain play these last few weeks, you just felt like he's at, he's at the end. His bag's empty. He's, he can walk away and, and know that he did everything in this game. And this game will wear on you physically and mentally and spiritually. And yeah. you could just tell that he had given all he could give. And I think there's a piece in that. I think you, it's easier to walk away when that happens. And um, yeah, congratulations, Lorenzo Cain. Just a stellar career. And I don't think we're going to see a story like his again, where a guy that can just be a freak athlete uh, get a chance to play 10th grade baseball by borrowing a glove and go on to play 10 years in the show. I just, the way we are this day and age, I just don't think you'll ever see it again. For some reason, one of my favorite things was him talking about showing up to that first practice in a collared shirt. Like I'm picturing showing up in like just some kind of golf shirt that he had and jean shorts and basketball shoes. And he shows up to his first baseball practice and literally doesn't know how to hold the bat. Um, just didn't know the basics of the sport. And he played 10 years in the major leagues. Uh, pretty, pretty incredible. And Tim, your, your analogy with the, with, the, with the bag is so perfect because I think we've seen that being, and Brad, you too, watching him in the clubhouse, um, emotionally, he was spent. He he had given what he had given what he had to this game, and look again. I, I wonder how much of that goes to just having that taste of the family time for for a, for an entire summer. And those three kids that he jokes about all the time <clears throat> are really really important to him, and they're at an age where he can go be dad at a really important part of their lives. So hopefully, this is you know again nobody wants it to end with a with the words designated for assignment but you just uh, i'm not sad for lorenzo kane I'm, I'm happy that he gets to go do those other things in life that he wants to do right now right and i think the thing that i admire about lorenzo kane's departure from baseball at this moment i mean he could still play for another team he said there's a chance if it's the right team what I admire about it is it's really, really hard to admit when it's time for anything. I mean, <laughs> if we want to make a joke about it, Packers fans have watched a couple of quarterbacks not admit when it's time and <laughs> come back and play around. But he just was willing to be honest with himself. He was willing to not fight time. He was willing to really analyze how he's playing, if he's playing up to what he want to, wants to. And he was honest that... No, I cannot play this year at the level that I want to play. So Kane comes out, is honest with himself, and that's something that I think is really admirable for that type of self-reflection to know, you know, that no, this isn't going to work because I can't do it the way I want to. Can we talk one more time about his batting practice? Have you guys ever really watched his BP? Yes. I watched it be I watched it all last year because he was the most amusing guy to watch because he just has the craziest things to say. And then I watched it this year and big differences. He was I think it was in um twenty nineteen maybe when um you know that was a good that was a really good Brewers team in twenty nineteen and, and when a team goes into the postseason in my role, you kinda have to like pocket a bunch of stories. Because if they win that wild card game and then they keep moving on, there are often you have days to fill where you want to have like some good feature stories. So I actually filmed an entire round of low cane BP on my phone, including the banter and everybody like giving him a hard time for how terrible it is. And like it's pop-ups. <laughs> it's, it's a series of pop-ups into the, the, the top of the turtle at the top of the cage. And um, I was going to do a whole story about it. And then obviously you know, Washington DC happens, Juan Soto and all that stuff. So I never got to write that story. And that's like one of my greatest regrets is that I never made something of that low cane BP because it was the most incredible thing in like the worst and best way. <laughs> and it's hard to explain because then he'd go out and he was, he was, you know, really productive 
for, for a while, like a really good offensive player. He hit third for the Royals when they won the World Series. So like he was a he was a good hitter. But man, he took a bad BP and just famously bad. So <laughs> that that's my that's what I have to say about that. It was unbelievable. It's no pop and blow wind. I love that he was always self-deprecating during it. Like he, yeah, he was so yeah. willing to like give himself a hard time about it. Yellich said uh, when he got re- when he got DFA the other day, he was joking. Oh, they must have finally watched my BP <laughs> and released me. <laughs> so now the Brewers are kind of stuck in a hard position. You go from a, a multi-time all-star and a gold glover to Tyrone Taylor, which I believe they expected to have significant playing time in this team. This isn't meant to be a, a shot at Tyrone Taylor. I think him starting was always a part of the plan, or at least getting starting levels at bats because of the season he had last year. But you definitely have lost some of that depth at center field. They called up Jonathan Davis. Is that what we're expecting for, I mean, they have a, for lack of a better term, wealth of veteran outfielders at AAA that aren't on the 40 man, but are on the team. Adam, is that kind of who we're expecting to fill this role now? and Kind of take over, I guess, the Tyrone Taylor role now that he's moved into starter? Yeah, I mean, it looks that way. It looks that way. And it's too bad that Corey Ray is having a really tough year because he was on the 40. He's got all the tools. He's got all the makeup and would have had an opportunity. He got called up briefly last year, remember. He would have had a, a good chance to be in that Johnny Davis role that, that Davis is in right now. And it, and it hasn't happened for Corey Ray again. He had an oblique injury. Uh, the slash line is not good. He was just removed from the 40 man. So it's very unfortunate timing for him to be having another a tough year and you're right the Brewers have uh some outfielders they really like in the organization but probably guys they want to spend more time down there Abraham Almonte is not prospect he's a he's a been around the big leagues a little bit he has a chance maybe to, to help here in the near term but I think this is a spot that David Stearns will have to look at at the end of July it's it's probably too early although you know Willie Adamas trade always makes you kind of stand up and listen a little bit because that happened in May, so it can happen any time. But I think they will definitely they will be in the market for center field types, just whether it's depth type or whether you can go out and get a starting caliber player. That's probably pretty high on the Brewers list right now, just looking at their offense as a whole and looking at what the center field options are. But look, opportunity for Tyrone Taylor, a guy who grinded through what 10 years in the organization and has you know, performed now yeah, was once the number one prospect in the org and then fell completely off the map. And is I've said this before, is just a great example of being patient with players as they develop and it can pay off. So great opportunity for him to step up and grab it. And he, he carried them for a little bit offensively and then had a, a you know, he's had a quiet month of June Monday night against the Cardinals was his first home run of the month of June. And a huge homer won him a game with a two-run homer off Miles Michaelis. So, big-time opportunity for Tyrone Taylor. And Tyrone's your boy, Tim. I love me some Tyrone Taylor. We were locker mates back in the day, and just an awesome dude. He prepares so well. And this opportunity, I think everyone knew it was coming. He's been playing good enough to take over. And, you know, he'll win the game with the bat like he did on Monday, but he'll also win it with the glove. He had two catches in Cincinnati um, that changed the game. And they tried yeah. to overturn it, and no, he caught it. <laughs> the umpire was like, no, man, you didn't catch it. And he's like, yeah, I did, ran off the field. He's he's a baller. He can go out there and play every day and, and, and play exceptionally high with the glove, and I think the bat will be there. I think the more at-bats he gets, he's just going to keep getting better and better. Um, and it's not, not like he just hit a two-run homer to win the game. He hit off Miles Michaelis, who has been nearly unhittable in his last couple starts, so you know, you see how guys are going to perform against really good pitchers and he's been one of the best in baseball. So that right there speaks to Tyrone Taylor and his capabilities. Yeah. I definitely think the Brewers need to go out and make an acquisition and get some help for their outfield. Maybe I think what I look for in the fan perspective is something as a platoon partner, but at the same time, I'm very happy that as sad as I am that Kane's gone, I'm very happy that this has opened a door for Tyrone Taylor because he's a guy who, you know, we've said it all right now. He's grinded for a long time, and he's shown that he's deserving of this opportunity. That catch against the wall in foul territory at Wrigley is one of the best catches I've had the pleasure of witnessing. That was just amazing. The guy can really play some solid defense. I, I would think 
his center field defense has been a little off from where it's normally been, but I mean, when he gets a good jump on the ball, he he's killer. He just really can play all three spots really well, which I think is kind of a rarity. You, you normally have guys who excel at one compared to the other. So it's, I'm happy he's getting more time, but I definitely think, I hope Jonathan Davis can do well because I, I see that as a fun story. And I think like Adam, we're always looking for fun stories. Yeah. But at the same time, it's when I look at the makeup of this team I, and how they like to build this team, I just see how beneficial it could be to get another platoon bat in that outfield to come off the bench or play against uh, certain hit her pitchers and really help this organization out. And maybe not a straight platoon, but just another lefty bat I think would be valuable in that outfield. So that's kind of what I look for for them to do. But trying to predict David Stearns is one of the most insane things a person can do. Impossible. <laughs> the man yeah. has more Don't originality. or Him and Matt Arnold have more originality when it comes to building a roster. The team they constructed really just confound the people who make a living predicting what organizations are going to do when it comes to signing and trading. So they're going to do something crazy, like, I don't know, sign three second basemen and then find a way to make them all play the outfield. That Who knows? It, it'll be something crazy. There will be three second basemen and one pitches and one's a great starter. Who knows? And if they end up signing three second basemen, turning one into a starter, they might need them because Aaron Ashby just hit the IL. He's the third starter from the Brewers rotation to land on the injured list. Adam, how do the Brewers address yet another injury to their pitching staff? We know Chi-Chi's going today, but you probably need a, a different long-term solution there. Are you guys excited about Chi-Chi? Was Chi- is Chi-Chi's a national chain? Uh, <laughs> Did you guys go to Chi-Chi's when you were kids? I think Chi-Chi's no. dead, but I believe it was a national chain. Okay. But I believe it's dead now, except for in the grocery store. I remember going to Chi-Chi's when uh, the McCalveys would have a big night out. Uh, when we were kids, uh, we would go to Chi-Chi's. It was on Blue Mound Road out in Brookfield. It was very, very special to go there. My mom and dad would get a margarita. I was not allowed to try them. Um, so I'm very no excited. No Marg for young Adam? No, no, eight-year-old Adam. Nope. I <laughs> stuck with whatever I got, you know, maybe a root beer or something. But um, they're, uh, they have stretched the depth to close to the limit. Um, you know, Chichi uh, Gonzalez is a waiver claim. Um, they've gotten great. I mean, Ch- man, Jason Alexander, unsung hero. We do the unsung hero award yeah. every year. So I always kind of think along as the year goes on, Hobie Milner, maybe is that guy so far, but, but Jason Alexander is very high on the list as well. It, it's, it's like, where would, this is not a sentence I expected to say, but it's where would they be without Jason Alexander? <laughs> um, so it is, uh, Brandon Woodruff's rehab is going well and is a very, very big deal for this team right now. His next start is supposed to be Thursday in Appleton. Get to the 70-ish pitch mark is the idea. After that, he's an option for the big leagues, I think, because if you go by the normal progression, the next one would be about 90. With how conservative they've been with injuries this year, we'll see what they do because they've, for everyone so far, when they've been like ready, they've been technically like available to come back. They've given them more. Like Willie was almost ready. They gave him more. Uh, Colton Wong has been almost ready. They've given him more time. So we'll see how they handle Brandon Woodruff. But but his comeback is a is a really big deal because he's close and that would be uh, important. And and then we'll watch Aaron Ashby. He was we talked to him yesterday in the club or Monday in the clubhouse. He'd had that MRI. He's very confident that this is nothing major, that the MRI didn't show any structural damage. Uh, But we've seen this before where it's day-to-day and all good, and then it turns into something longer. So I would say cautious optimism right now on Aaron Ashby because he's been really important for him so far too. So they're um, it's not dire, but but they need to get (laughs) – it's not dire, but their pitching is stretched right now. Yeah, Tim, I guess when you're – rotation is stretched like this you've been that next man up before kind of what is it like to be in chi chi's shoes where you're like okay 
I guess I got to go in and help this team out and uh, currently play the role, like a really important role for this competitive organization. Sure. Well, I think he probably already thought he was going to be starting a couple times just since he's been with the Brewers, but he hasn't pitched since June 11th. Um, But when you get a guy that, you know, has been around a little bit, kind of knows his role, and he's known it for a couple weeks now with the Brewers. Uh, you got to know he's been throwing bullpens, probably maybe a sim game in there somewhere. I have no idea. Um, but he threw, he had 18 starts with the Rockies last year. He's had 49 career starts. So it's not like he doesn't know where the mound is. But the idea yeah. is you need you need a lot of pitches from this guy. He To go out and throw two innings, um, you're going to just get into that bullpen, that really good Brewers bullpen, and you could decimate it uh, at, a, at a time when they're going to need some guys going forward. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. But with Ashby, his uh, injury, it's retroactive, right? So he's theoretically, he might only miss one start. And if he may not come back and start. They may put him in the bullpen for long relief. They do have that option. So he may not have to go in as many like rehab stuff as a Brandon Woodruff, right? So th- there are options there. Um, but you almost, you look at it and you're thinking they need one guy. They need one guy. Um, and who is that going to be? Is it, is it Chichi Gonzalez? Maybe, maybe he's the guy that can sit there and go, you know what? I'll take this on. I'll take this responsibility, go out there and get it done and earn a next start. So hopefully that is the case. Um, cause he's had a while to kind of prepare for this moment and finally gets the nod. And remember they have Ethan small too, who they called up and, and showed, you know, he, he ran into kind of a long inning that cut short his debut, but he showed that the stuff can work in the big leagues and the timing just didn't work out here because he'd pitched Sunday yeah. for Nashville. Yep. Um, and I, at a time when I think the Brewers expected Ashby to make his next start. And then that bullpen session the same day didn't go like they wanted. And then they made the decision to be conservative. So small has a chance to play a role here as well in the next one. And we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. So they still have some options, and that's why I say that the depth is kind of stretched, but it's not like dire to the point where it's bullpen game after bullpen game, and you're just you know scrambling to get to the All Star break. I, they're not they're not quite there yet. The other thing is, let's take a moment to just how big Corbin Burns giving you seven scoreless. I mean, never mind that it's against Miles Michaelis and the Cardinals in a big series at a time when the Brewers maybe are trying to regain a little foothold after a bad stretch. It was just huge for so many different reasons, and he did exactly what you want the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner to do. Uh, a huge outing on, on Monday night for Corbin Burns. And keeping Goldschmidt off base. I mean, how many pitchers have done that? Yeah. Not many. None, probably. Not many, especially <laughs> Brewers pitchers. Yeah. I thought it was funny in an ironic sense that, going back to the depth, that the Brewers have – some pretty good levels of depth when it comes to starting pitchers. But in terms of what they have set aside, they, uh, the timing for an injury is never good, but it probably couldn't have been worse when it comes to that specifically. Because like yeah. everyone who kind of is lined up to be the next man up was exhausted. So very interesting. But, you know, great that the Brewers have some bullpen rests coming into this. The, they weren't really used as heavily as they'd been in previous series in the Cincinnati series either. So you are coming in with probably the freshest bullpen we've seen in a month. Still not fresh, but compared to how they've been used in the last 30 days, probably uh, in the best shape to support Chi-Chi today and really only put the onus on him to have three or four good innings before then going to the bullpen compared to saying, hey, we were... We threw six innings yesterday. We really need you to go throw eight. Well, you also have... Hey, speaking of... Oh, no, go I, ahead, I was just going to say, ace in the hole has got to be Brent Suter. He's been throwing the ball exceptionally well. He's been uh, very efficient with his pitches. So he's a guy that could easily go out there and, if called upon, throw more than two innings. Uh, I was just going to say completely off topic. Speaking of relief, <laughs> um, you know, uh, hats off to the American Family Field maintenance staff. Uh, Miles Michaelis was flossing his teeth yesterday afternoon and popped out a gold crown and it went directly down into the sink in the visitor's clubhouse. And the maintenance man came to save the day. They took apart the, what do you call it? The U-joint. I'm not a plumber. I 
apologies if I'm messing up the terminology. Uh, they got his gold crown. The Brewers dentist is going to come in on Wednesday, put that crown back in place, or maybe Michaelis will go to him. I don't know. And, uh, you know, save the day. So I think that's a good story of, uh, you know, a little doing a nice thing for a visiting player, helping him out. A Dude, little bit. once that tooth is sitting in that pipe for a, a, a period, it's never going back in your mouth. No, no, never. Like uh, you need to boil it in bleach. <laughs> like that's well, it's gold. It's gold. And I think that's why, you know, they went ahead and saved it. Miles Michaelis can afford a new gold teeth. OK, melt it down, sell it, get a new gold. <laughs> no, tooth. Oh, man. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. It's never going back. Fresh gold only. Maybe do diamond this time. The, the lesson here is don't floss. <laughs> yeah, the lesson here. Is, <laughs> the lesson here is flossing is bad. It, Tim, come on. That's not the lessons we want to give to the kids. We promote good oral hygiene on this podcast. <laughs> no, you lose money from flossing. It's awful. We're taking a break. The king of flossing for the brewers is Luis Urias. I'm just going to throw this in there. He is the king. He is always flossing. He is he's very, very, takes oral hygiene very seriously. That's your inside fact of the day. No, he's always flossing in terms of the dance. With the flossing man who sits in the stands at American Family Field, They're, they love to floss together. They hang out. <laughs> We're taking a break, but when we return, we're talking with Connor Dawson about life as a hitting coach and some pretty interesting Ichiro stories. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Earlier this week, the guys took a second to talk to Connor Dawson, hitting coach for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's part of a two-headed monster at the hitting coach with Ozzie Timmons. You know, he did has some really interesting stories as a guy who came up, really uh, was interested in more biomechanics, throwing, and got into hitting kind of out of necessity. Has turned out to be pretty good at it. So the guys talked to him about kind of his development, where he's gone, and his time in the Seattle system, including if you're in Seattle. You got to run into Ichiro. So enjoy some of these Connor Dawson tales. We're very excited about this one. He is the best hitting coach in the history of St. Thomas Aquinas High School. Connor Dawson, the co-hitting coach of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, Connor, thanks for doing this. Um, I said this to Chris Hook when we had him on the pod. Like Tim and I understand how much of your time is dedicated to being in the cage in your case and working with guys. And this is like a big deal for you to carve out, you know, three hours, which you've agreed to do today to talk to us. So we appreciate that. So welcome. I mean, if you need more than three, I mean, I got Ozzy for a reason. <laughs> kind of let's just start there. Uh, how's it going? This is a, a new setup for the brewers. You, the, they are not the only club to employ multiple hitting coaches. Um, but this is the first time they've had co primary hitting coaches and and how's that going it's it's been great i mean and and it we, we came in at such a unique spot um not only was the team team's been very successful over the past few years but at the same time we came in during you know this lockout period where you know we don't get to talk to the players i mean we had a week essentially to get a hold of everybody and it's like hi bye <laughs> you know, see you whenever this is done um and so it's it's we we basically lost quite a few you know we lost six months basically um we lost six months of time to learn our players to to know their swings just to talk to them to learn the staff to learn you know everything that you know both of us coming from american league teams myself from the minor leagues uh, ozzy from tampa like coming to the national league um there's so much there that that we had to learn and, and figure out in such a short window, which we're still like to this day, like we, we learn something new about guys every day. Um, so it, it's a unique spot, but it's, it's just been awesome. It's been awesome. You look at the last five games, teams four and one, which could be five and oh, if 
you know, that inch of gap between Hunter Renfro's hand and home plate in New York. Um, but you've scored 32 runs on 48 hits, and there's been 23 walks. What do you think this club has been doing in the last five games um, at times, you know, when the offense was lacking at other times? I know that's kind of deep, but uh, there, to me, there's a clear switch. Yeah. You know, there's, there, there's, a, there's a thing in this league about earning your ability to take walks. And, you know, one of the things that even when I interviewed for this position that I, I took a ton of pride in um, while I was in Seattle was our ability in the minor leagues to draw walks. And we earned those walks, you know, by putting some damage out there and putting some big hits out there. That's when you earn pitches to be on the edge. Um, and there was a stretch there for, for a few games where we weren't producing, and quite frankly, we weren't putting those balls in play hard. So teams were just coming right at us. Um, I think we saw it first game in New York against Bassett. I mean, he was just throwing sinkers right at us. He hardly used his cutter, which is his, his main pitch. And um, at that point, I think as a group, they made a decision that, hey, we gotta we got to go back to earning our, our chances to get deep in counts and – um, you know, we have a few barrels that second game. Um, and I think from there you could see pitchers started using the edge, started using their off speed. Um, and our identity is all swing discipline, um, plate discipline that is. But what we've seen with the walks is as we continue to walk, it's directly related to our ability to get the ball and play hard. Um, and if we're not getting the ball and play hard, we're not going to get those opportunities to walk and that's kind of where our offense is built around. Yeah, I, that's why I brought up the walks, because as a pitcher, I hate walking people. Uh, but as a, a guy on a team, I'm like, I love it when a dude goes out there and works those seven, eight, nine pitch at bat and then walks like that hurts pitchers feelings. You know, and so <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that you tie hard hits to walks. That's awesome. Sorry, Adam, your turn. Yeah, no. and, and I think I think we've seen it, too, like with with Yelly in the leadoff spot. Oh, yeah. Like, the he, he's drawn several walks, and a lot of them have been 3-2 walks. Um, that sets up our offense to go. And and I, th- I think Yelly's done a great job up there. Well, let's take a step back and start at the beginning, Connor, because you have, like, a fascinating baseball story. Can we go to the beginning? Can you tell us your baseball origin story? Was it – did it start just like any other kid playing baseball and dreaming of being a major leaguer? Yeah, you know, when I was uh, seven, I played for the Giants. Um, I hit seven eleven. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you know, I, obviously as a as a young young player in high school, I was I was a pretty decent player. Um, wasn't good by any means. Now looking back, I know I'm terrible. But like you, you know, you have these aspirations of playing pro ball, and then you know, as I progressed in my playing career realizing more and more that I wasn't very good, I kind of switched to the other side because I spent all my time just studying my swing. Um, Even when I played in college, I would take my laptop out there and I would set it up on a chair, hit off the tee, and then just look at my swing just nonstop. And it was, it's not healthy. (laughs) Um, But it's kind of what drove me to this side. Um, And I I fell in love with it. As a a player in junior college, again, I didn't play often, so I was on the chart. And I took a ton of pride in finding whatever I found on the chart that day. I mean, and, you know, again, it kind of carried over. I just wanted to be around the game and I, I want, knew I wanted to coach. And um, that, I think the, the, the most unique part of my whole story is, is I don't even have a degree. I left school um, to start coaching. And after junior college, I was in Pittsburgh State University for like a month. And I was like, this is miserable. I, mean, <laughs> I hate math. Like, let me get out of here. Like, <laughs> Um, is that what you studied? But though? It, is that what you were going to go for a math degree? No, no, I was actually going to be one of you guys. I wanted to be a, a radio guy. Um, wow! So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to be. I wanted to be sitting next to Tim Dillard. No um, one's ever said that. <laughs> you have one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Con- Connor. Let's fill in some of the blanks. I think because uh, you know your your story is new for a lot of fans. You talk about high school. That's in Kansas, right? How, how do you pronounce it, the town? Uh, so I'm from Olathe, Kansas. Um, not Olath, Olathe, um, Olathe. There's quite a few ways I've heard it over the years. but That's uh, definitely Olathe, why Kansas, I let you say is, it instead of trying it myself. And now tell me your community college. I went to Neosho County Community College in Chinook, Kansas. Um, shockingly, while, between like uh, around the time I was there, like there's been – three or four big leaguers now around that time. Um, David Bodie with the Cubs, Matt Strom with the Red Sox. 
uh, Andrew Young, who was I was his backup. I pushed him um, clearly. Uh, he's with the uh, Nationals. Um, uh, I missed when Jonah Bride just made his debut with the A's. Uh, I mean, we, we we've had quite a few players, um, and that we were really good. Uh, but yeah, Neosho County Community College in Chinook, Kansas. And and I just want to put Chinook. a pin on this because you graduated high school in 2012, right? Oh yeah, class of 2012. Loud and proud. <laughs> I wish I graduated in the class of 2012. That was the last day I was in the big leagues. <laughs> well, it's been a while. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you talk about being out there with a laptop, Connor, you know, we've watched, Tim and I have watched in the major leagues how the game has changed and laptops and iPads are everywhere now. There was a time not that long ago where all that was novel. When you were doing that, was it novel or, or was that already becoming a big part of, you know, baseball at the college level? Yeah, I, I would probably say it was more novel than anything. Um, you know, a lot of my teammates didn't do that. We, we They kind of hit with each other and used their eyes. And um, I was a little bit more of a nut job and needed more validation for what I felt I felt or saw. Um, but, you know, as – even as I've I've started coaching, like I feel like I was on the the back end as a player of of the last side of things, and then on the front end as a coach. Um, even though obviously not professionally in that regard, but uh, it was like it was like I was right on the edge of that of that that wave that came in because once I started coaching, I mean I had to have my 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 iPhone. I mean every phone that I had bought since then it was all about storage, you know, because that's all players want. Let's talk about the uh, Seattle Mariners. You were with them for three years, right? Yep, yep, three years, three wonderful years. Was your first hitting coach job a high school job? Yeah, um, and and even then, like I wasn't necessarily a hitting coach. I was the uh, head JV coach. Uh, we we went ten and ten, um, five hundred. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I coached JV there, um, and I kind of helped out with varsity when I could. But on the side, I was doing lessons, um, hitting coach less, hitting lessons on the side, um, and then I also coached summer and fall club baseball for the team that I played for growing up. Um, so it was just nonstop, and 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 honestly, like I've been asked a ton, like why did you get into hitting? And and I don't really know because I also really love the pitching side. I love the defensive side. Like I've always felt like I was a little more well rounded than just a hitting guy. Um, but if, for for whatever reason, I, I guess I was better at this one. I don't know. Um. <laughs> well, probably like having a you know a deep knowledge of both. I'm sure that helps make you a good hitting coach, right? Having an interest in the other side, what the other side is trying to do. Oh yeah, and and I was lucky enough to when I was working at the uh, the place I, I did hitting lessons, we had a really good pitching program um, to the point where I think our first year um, when we built this facility, our first year we had six draft picks um in the top 15 rounds like we had a, a two first rounders like riley pint who also played at aquinas uh where i coached he went fifth overall i think and then joey Wentz, who's now in the big leagues um like so i was i got to be exposed to some really good pitchers and also really good pitching minds um and at the same time our our strength coach uh who just come out of college who was my roommate uh, his name's matt hinkley he he is the pitching coordinator at cressy so, like, I learned a ton from him as well. So, just being around all that was was a good kickstart for me to just be curious of how are these guys trying to get us out, you know, because that's really what the name of the game is. We were devastated when the Brewers didn't get Riley Pint. I mean, if ever a guy needed to be drafted by the Brewers, Riley Pint and Seth Beer are recent draft picks that just missed opportunities, man. I mean, the beauty of Riley Pint is is not even that he throws 102. It's I've never seen someone hit a golf ball as far as Riley Pint. I mean, this guy, it, it, he makes par fives look like mini putt-putt. Like, it's unbelievable. Don't you think pitchers are usually better golfers than hitters? I've always found that the guys that are like the like Kyle Loesch comes to my mind, Tim. They have more time. Um, Especially well, starters, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would say pitchers are better golfers. I mean, from what I understand, it just on our staff, like – Jim Henderson, I think, is a really good golfer. Um, sounds like it. I know Matt Erickson's a good golfer, representing the the, the hitter side. But Jim sounds like he's he's a really good golfer. Well, he played hockey too, so he's probably doing the little Happy Gilmore shot. <laughs> 
You know, I, th- I thought I saw I thought I saw a stick in his in his bag. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so long, sucker. You like movies, right? Oh yeah, love movies. <laughs> You're a big Star Wars fan, right? Massive Star Wars fan. My dog's name is Leia. Um, she's a sweet, perfect princess. Yeah, I didn't know this till I looked up at the uh, media guide, and I saw that you had a dog named Leia, and I knew we were kindred spirits. I told you this the day we met over Twitter. Um, I have a dog named Leia. She's a pug, and she's 16 years old. Oh, so my goodness. If there was any doubt that we were best friends, uh, that's gone. You can call me Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I have cats break. named Zach and Kelly, so you can tell I'm in a different genre. <laughs> Saved by the Bell? Is that Saved by the Bell? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. What's your favorite movie, Connor? Oh, geez. Uh, I, could go, I could go a lot of directions. With it. Uh, I'd probably say Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber, Anchorman. Um, Basically, all the movies that really don't win awards. Um, I love all those. What about, have you seen Talladega Nights? Oh, oh that's yeah. a rhetorical question. Have you seen the outtakes? Yeah. <laughs> that, another oh, yeah. rhetorical oh, yeah. question. Uh, I was going <laughs> to play the clip on air, but I can't play it for copyright purposes. But <laughs> oh yeah, you're not related to Bob Dawson, are you? Diet pork rinds? I know. <laughs> nope, nope. Um, but if I was... <laughs> That would be Diet awesome. pork rinds, like a pork rind should be. Yeah. Bob Dawson. Is that Bob Dawson pork rinds? Bob Dawson pork rinds. <laughs> well, sadly, you guys are both wrong. The best movie ever is Clue, as we've established, oh, yeah, yeah. I think, previously on the podcast. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Connor, we, you know, I, I'm, I've, I've mentioned this 28 years old. That, that makes you younger than some of the players you're coaching. And we've talked about your unique path. Um, how do you build trust with players you know a coach wants to come in and and gain the trust of their players they want to come in and have credibility sometimes that comes with look Ozzy Timmons long pro career he's played everywhere Japan major league baseball 301 career home runs as a pro how do you gain the trust of your players yeah it's uh it's 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 definitely different um I do think I'm coming into professional baseball really in the big leagues at a good time um I think the timing is really good and the fact that I I don't I've never really sensed you know like here's this 28 year old kid from Kansas that played junior college ball like I'm not listening to him I mean they've they've been they've been awesome out of the gate but the biggest piece is that we've made them involved in in the whole thing um we want them to feel like whatever idea or swing thought or approach thought or whatever it is like we want it to be driven by them we want them to create it um and so there's a there's a little bit of trickery in in the way we approach you know talking to players but the trickery is all with the same purpose of getting them to to create the idea and once it's their idea then credibility doesn't necessarily mean anything um because they're they have to have credibility in themselves as a major league player so it's tricky. Um, obviously, there's a there's a, a a piece in preparation that comes with that as well. Um, if you ask Ozzy, he'll tell you that he has to tell me to close my laptop a lot because I have the hardest working processor in the league. I mean, I have videos on videos, but all of that is there so that I feel prepared for when Rowdy Telez comes and asks me a question. Um, and if it takes one video or no videos or 12 videos, I know that I'm ready which I think builds the credibility in that process. And you better be ready with Rowdy. We've learned that. I mean, his, um, I don't know how you even describe it. His deadpan factor is very high. And you don't know if he's mad at you or messing with you or just being Rowdy. Yeah, I usually just respond with like, okay, whatever he (laughs) says. I'm just like, okay, you know. So is that it? Like you, you're prepared. You see something. You got the hardest working processor in the league. I like that. And so what you're doing is you're putting stuff together so that you're not trying to force it on them. You're just being prepared for when they come to you. You do have a prepared response that you can tell them and show them. Yeah, and, and with hitters, you know, <laughs> hitters always think something is wrong, like whether you're hitting 800 or 100, like something's wrong. And they're always searching for the thing that's wrong. Um, and so a lot of it's not even that I'm prepared to show them the things that are wrong. Uh, 75% of it is to is pre- preparation to show them that it's right, you know. 
and that it's probably something else like pitch selection or um, maybe they just they just missed it like because that happens like hitting's really hard um, maybe he just missed it uh, maybe he threw a really good pitch like the amount of times that you know not necessarily our hitters but hitters in general like they think that something is terribly wrong with their swing when a pitcher that's through 99 down and away on the black three times in a row and struck him out like it's like no he just made three really good pitchers like sorry stinks but <laughs> you're out <laughs> and so like 75 75% of the time it's it's being prepared to show them that things are right versus wrong um which i think also helps instill some confidence in the player too like okay like validation I am doing what I, you know, I may think that I'm doing it wrong, but clearly over repetitive times, this is correct. Um, so it, it's, it goes both ways. I, I love this conversation just makes me think about, you know, to me, hitting coach is the most understood position in baseball because a fan watches a hitter have a tough at bat, strike out on three pitches, you know, after the three previous guys walked or whatever it is. And they look at the hitting coach and they say, why would you let that guy do that? And it's like, your job is so interesting because you're walking this, in my view, this is how I see it from up, up in the press box. The hitting coach always walks this tightrope of like the video prep, the preparing for a pitcher's arsenal, kind of the X's and O's of being up there prepared. But then like the other half of it, and maybe it's more than half, you tell me, is like this more magical like feeling. It's almost like, I don't know, sometimes guys describe it as um, like you're like a counselor to the hitters as much as you are a, a, a coach of X's and O's. I don't know. Do you, do you feel that sometimes you, that's the tightrope that you, uh, someone in your position walks? 100%. 100% like, ha- I would, it's more than half. Like 80% of the time you're just trying to, you know, keep players confident and and what they're trying to do because they're good. Like they're and good yeah, hitters. Like that's yeah, why they're here. They're major leaguers. Yeah. <laughs> they're major leaguers. And, and, um, despite being a major leaguer, like what I, what I, what I think it's misunderstood is that they're still in the arena. You know, they don't see themselves as a, it's not necessarily that they're a major leaguer at the time. You don't walk up there and like, yeah, I'm a major leaguer. I'm going to win this bet. Like in reality, they, they have, deep anxieties and fears and doubt, you know, that goes into, into going up and facing, you know, we faced Miles Michaelis tonight. Like he's a really good pitcher. Like you don't just walk up against Miles Michaelis and go, Hey, I'm going to get a hit. Like, <laughs> despite the fact that, you know, you're in the major leagues, there's still a, a large portion of that, that, you know, you have to find something to commit to and keep yourself centered and calm and, and confident that you can do something like that. And, and it's really hard to do. Um, it's really hard to do. And I've talked to some really, really good players in this game that have said, like, if I'm committed and comfortable in 60% of my at-bats this year, then that's an amazing season. Like, that's think about that. If, if all, I've talked to all-stars that say 60% is like a marker of feeling good in your at-bats. <laughs> like, that, it's, it's uncomfortable. And, and, you know, the tough part, too, is pitchers are facing the same thing. You know, I don't think pitchers are very comfortable when they see our lineup and see Yelich, Renfro, Adamas, you know, like Telez. Like that's that's no joke. Like they're saying they're feeling the same fears and anxieties. So a lot of our time as a coach is spent addressing those um, and making them feel prepared and confident. And that all go it's it's all tied together. The swing, the scatter reports, just talking to the player, like sitting down for lunch with them, like it's all tied together in with the whole goal of making them feel ready, comfortable, prepared, and committed. Um, and really that's the big thing is they got to feel committed when they go to the box. Well, Connor, you already said you're, you're, you know, this is Monday that we're talking. The pod will come out on Tuesday. And we know you have to get going because things are starting here on this homestand. Uh, I, I couldn't let us get away without asking you, What's your favorite Milwaukee beer so far? Because you are a beer guy, we found out early on. Uh, yes, I, I I do love beer. Um, I mean, is it, the Schlitz count as a Milwaukee beer? I know that's kind no. Of bootleg, I mean, but yes, I, but I don't know. But like, I I, I don't know if well, we've been on the road for the whole season, so yeah, I haven't even really true. got to experiment. I mean, I went to Lakefront. Lakefront was really good. Um, it's a good answer. Uh, uh, what batters was Batters Box? Is that is that another place? Um, What's no, it it's ten, ten broken bats. Broken bat. Broken bat. You've been bat. a broken That's bat. It. Yeah, broken bat. 
There's a Dillard's beer. There, there's a Tim Dillard. What a double IPA, right, Tim? Uh, it was. Yeah, I didn't like that no. one. No, it's like not that. on. It's not there right now. <laughs> it's not there right now. They ran out. Need another one though. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm a pretty simple guy, so I mean, if Schlitz counts until we get off the road uh, for for one week, uh, I'm gonna go with Schlitz. Uh, I'm I a like pretty it. standard issue guy, like. So, so what we're what you're now. saying is uh, this team needs some off days at home because they have been few and far between. I mean, it would just be nice to be home. I mean, I forgot that Milwaukee had a stadium. I didn't know we had our own home field, but uh, but we're gonna have a lot of time this uh, August September at home, so that'd be nice. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Broken Bat. Those guys are awesome. So Tim is obviously knows, and we both love those guys. So that's a great choice. I can't wait to have the uh, Tim Dillard Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like fifteen percent alcohol. No, I got one question. So we we uh, shared some presidentes down in Miami, and we talked a little bit about Ichiro Suzuki, which I found awesome. So I know we're running short on time, but you were talking about all stars that you've talked to. Give us an Ichiro story that will blow our minds. Um. Oh gosh. Uh, no pressure. Yeah. Not putting you on the spot, but. <laughs> the the thing is, there's so many of them, um, and and so few that you can talk about on a podcast. Yeah, probably. From what I understand yeah. of each year, so <laughs> I there were there was uh, there's a couple good ones. So like one of the things I love to do with hitters is throw like hard mixed batting practice where I'm throwing breaking balls, heaters. I'm just throwing, but I'm throwing hard. Uh, and we were doing it one day with the minor leaguers, and and we had a second cage open. So I'm in there just sweating, just letting it rip. <laughs> And then Ichiro walks in next to me and does the same thing with some other guys. And Ichiro's throwing them. It felt like 100 miles an hour harder than I was. And here I was, like the manly man in me is like, okay, I'll throw harder than Ichiro. Like, so I'm kicking it up. I'm kicking it up. And so I'm totally gassed by the end of this. And I'm still not even close to Ichiro. And then 45 minutes later, I come back to the cage, and Ichiro is still throwing, and he's throwing just as <laughs> Oh, my God. And then I leave to go hit fungos, and then I come back like 45 minutes later, and there's Ichiro still throwing, and he's still throwing hard. And it's the most unbelievable thing that guy could throw for hours. And he can throw sliders, heaters, whatever he wants, and he'll do it for hours. And just then he'll go out and hit BP and – have some fun, catch some fly balls, maybe play in a sim game, and then go back and throw some more. Like that's it's it's incredible. That's awesome. He is on a short list of the most interesting men in baseball. That would be a good, uh, you know, a good list to come up with sometime. The five most interesting men in baseball history. He would be super high on the list because there's probably a million other stories you could tell about him. Uh, it's 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 insane. I mean, he's he's the goat. Well, we should wrap it up because we don't want Rowdy to get mad at you standing there in the cage waiting for you to get in there because you do not want to be on Rowdy Telez's bad side. But, Connor, we appreciate it a lot. I mean, honestly, I joked about three hours. We, we could talk for three hours because your job, the job of hitting coach is so interesting and difficult and probably you know rewarding and challenging and maddening and awesome all at once. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Well, we appreciate your time, and uh, we will see you around the ballpark. Thanks. Thanks, Connor. All right. Thanks, y'all. Guys, I love a good Ichiro story. In 2007, I went to the All-Star Game, and I watched him take BP, and everything everyone said about Ichiro hitting BP and how he could have been a power hitter if he wanted to is 100% true. I watched that guy pump so many into the bay at San Francisco, and even after Connor finished the interview, I talked to him, and he's like, oh, yeah. Ichiro could have pumped 40 if he wanted. Yeah, uh, he is, I said this, the most interesting man. Um, I wish I could have covered him. Hey, he's still going. Maybe you will someday. Maybe. Someday. <laughs> Maybe he'll come here as like a pitching coach. <laughs> <laughs> I got Ichiro's autograph one time. Yeah? Really? Where? In 2006, the old Brewers Clubhouse in Arizona was being used by the Japanese team yeah. for the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, and the uh, rare the rare night game in Maryville. The, yeah, that's what it was, and they <laughs> they had half of our minor league clubhouse, and um, we asked one of our trainers, Masako Nagi, who was helping out, if we could get his autograph. Actually, I just wanted to meet him. I just wanted to see like how tall is this guy? Like, you know, <laughs> he's superhuman. I uh, just kind of wanted to meet him and end up getting a ball signed, but um, just to just to kind of be around him and just you know 
see his mannerisms and stuff. He's he's a superhuman guy, and everybody has a story that goes along with it. So anyway, I feel like we should be talking about Connor Dawson, though. <laughs> I thought he was great. Look, he <laughs> brought it to Ichiro, okay? He brought it to Ichiro. This is on him. If you bring up Ichiro, baseball nerds are going to talk Ichiro. But no, you're right. We should talk Connor Dawson because I I was a little afraid when the interview started that it was just going to be Tim and Connor recreating Anchorman. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that Bob Dawson? I, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Well, you can tell a lot about somebody. It's like, all right, what, what do you got on this movie? And they start quoting the movie. It's like, all right. I knew we were spirit animals. I knew it. Yeah, you guys yeah. might be brothers lost at birth. So we need to take another break. When we come back, we're talking Yelich and his success at the lead opposition, the Brewers City Connect uniforms, and more. Stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Brewers fans, we're back with the rapid round. I don't know why I felt like saying it intensely this week, but I did, so you have to live with my decision. Guys, we're starting off with the stat of the week. Tim, your research has been so strong lately. Never. I feel like for stat of the week, we have to start with you. Stat of the week. Brewers relievers, last nine games, 28 and a third innings pitched, no runs. Wow. You didn't know that? That's really good. Like you start talking about like their 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 you know run of bad luck there. They went two and eleven through thirteen games. Two things happened: the offense stepped up, and the bullpen stepped up. And the bullpen has really, I mean, what more could you ask for from these guys? Yeah, and it's not just one or two guys. It's literally everybody that's gone out there. Fantastic. Enjoy that stat. I, I did enjoy it. Mine is, you know, Tim, yours are always so much deeper than mine. My, mine is much more simple, and it's probably one people heard because a bunch of us have talked about it, but I think it's important. It's 41. That's how many road games the Brewers have played. Half of their road games are in the books through 68 games, and they got through it. You know, it, they got through it barely. I mean, it was a little tough at the end there when they went through those losses, but uh, schedule-wise, it's favorable the rest of the way. That will pay dividends. Their September schedule is extremely home heavy, and that's what you want if they're playing these meaningful games. Um, doesn't guarantee success, but it it's better than uh, having three three city road trips in September. So that's my stat. I'm backing Tim up for my stat of the week and talking about one particular reliever who has been probably the shock bullpen story of the season. That's Hobie Milner, who has stranded all 13 of his inherited runners, including a bases-loaded situation in the Cincinnati series. So that guy's just been... The old Jeremy Jeffers. Yeah, yeah, the fireman. Remember when Jeffers did that over? Oh, my God, in 2018, it was astounding. He he just came in and was like, no, these guys aren't scoring. Too bad. See you later. It was absolutely insane. But... Hobie Milner is having that type of success and a soft throwing submarine lefty is finding that success. So good for Hobie because he's really found a niche for himself in this Brewers bullpen. And that's, I mean, again, we talked about the Stearns era and weird things that have happened, but if there's one thing they do well, it's finding a reliever that maybe no one else really feels like they want and turning them into a success story. And Hobie Milner's the latest part of that. So next up on the list, Adam. Since going to the leadoff spot, I don't have the stats in front of me because I'm bad at my own prep, but Yelich has been really, really good. Is he the new permanent leadoff hitter for this 2022 Brewers team? Well, nothing's permanent in Craig Council lineup world, but I would say I do think he'll continue to hit leadoff even when Colton Wong comes back, at least at first. I think they like... The way this switch up has gone, I've, we've heard a couple of coaches talk about it as just a, something different for a guy can be a good thing. Uh, I think Yelich likes it, which is important. Um, I think he, 
especially on the road. He said he loves being the first hitter in a major league baseball game. He thinks it's really cool. So I think uh, my my prediction is, yes, they'll stick with it for a while. Tim, are they sticking with it? Yeah, I think so. He batted 282 on this last road trip. Um, he's getting on base. He's scoring a bunch of runs. Maybe in the ideal world, you want him to bat third or fourth and hit 40 jacks and drive in 100. But that's, that would be ideal. That yeah. would be ideal. But, you know, this is baseball. And, you know, you sometimes you got to make the move that's maybe not as not as awesome and cool, but pays off. And I think right now it's paid off. He's looked really good at the leadoff spot. And if you bring Wong back, he's missed a lot of time. He's had a couple of setbacks in his rehab. So you're just going to throw him right back in the leadoff and he's going to play every day. I don't, I don't foresee that. So I think for the foreseeable future, he will be the leadoff man. And let's be honest, he's played in almost every single game this year. And that's a good sign. He has 10 stolen bases, the most on the team. That's more than he stole all last year. So I think a healthy Christian Yelich at the top of the order, it, it should stay there. Yeah. And the key is like, you know, Willie Adamas and Hunter Renfro, especially in the Cincinnati series, hit for a little power. And that's key, right? If Yelich is going to be up top, get on base, you need production from somebody. And it was those two, at least in that that final series on the road. Now, yes, leadoff Yelich is good. He's hitting 275 with a 720 OPS. A, a couple of homers, a few stolen bases. You know, it's looking good in his 12 games so far. But when Wong comes back, I want them to drop Yelich down to the second spot because he has a 375 batting average and 875 slugging in the second spot. In how many plate appearances, Brad? I don't. That's not. <laughs> okay, it's nine plate appearances. Okay, <laughs> but no, I've really enjoyed leadoff Yelly. Uh, and as long as he's happy and he's finding success there, I'm all about it. I say keep it. If the change works, leave it. Don't don't mess with good things. Let's see how many combinations of lineups Craig can come up with with Yelly at the top because that should be fun. Uh, counting the amount of lineup mixtures that he's done around August, that's always fun because it's more than you'd think is possible with the amount of guys he has to play with. Well, you know what else has looked great? The City Connect unis. I love them. I love them. I don't care what anyone else says. The City Connect uniforms are perfect. <laughs> and I just, I know Powder Blue has been pretty heavy handed in baseball, but I, since we've done 82 retro unis and on the road, I've always loved the Powder Blue. They're perfect, right, Tim? What do you, what's your favorite part of the City Connect unis? Favorite part? I mean, I like the whole thing. I actually got one. Um, I was gifted one, and people have tried to take it from me, and they're asking for it. I don't think I'm going to give it up, uh, but I love the grill patch on the sh on the sleeve. Yeah. It is. I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I enjoy art, and I enjoy symmetry. Maybe it's part of my OCD. I don't know, but if you look at this thing, just the way they do the colors and the way it's set up and the detail, it tells a bigger story. Um, and it's real simple, a bigger story out of something that's very simple and, and nice to look at. So, you know me, I love hot dogs, brats, <laughs> so anything you could throw on a grill, um, goes straight to my heart in more, more ways than one. <laughs> Brad, isn't your office, is your desk by the, uh, the retail, the brewers retail people? No, completely other side of the building. Well, you need to take a walk over there then because mine is also the grill patch. And Ooh. if they're not selling the grill patch in the team store, uh, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. I think it has to be um, a hat. I think it was shocking. Like they have a t shirt with the grill on it. Yeah. But I think uh it was a little shocking how popular the grill patch ended up being. I think people knew it was going to be liked, but I don't think people were expecting it to be quite as demanded as it's been. Well, let's get those orders in. Let's get those orders in. Get some more grill patch merch. It should be an alternate cap. It's it's great. It would be a great cap logo. Yeah, uh, a pin, you know, a lapel pin. I need one oh, of those. Yeah, yeah, let's let's get these wheels in motion. I don't know anyone who what? likes lapel. Tim pins. Dillard is the man. This is the king of the lapel. Was that a personal shot? That is the joke. Oh, I see. Oh God, I'm sorry. It's too early. Uh, I I love the uh, and and you know what I I honestly I I like the MKE and here's why because when when that thing leaked a couple weeks ago we were sitting in the press box looking at it one morning and two born and bred Milwaukee guys who are <laughs> who cover the team name them 
I don't know, because it's embarrassing. You know, you don't want to be the one who didn't see the M and the B in the glove. And then you get called out for it. But it was Todd Rosiak and J.R. Radcliffe (laughs) for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, They were looking at the MKE and did not see the 414. And and like when the Brewers released it the other day, like, I mean, you you spilled the beans. You didn't let anybody uh, see it for themselves. If anyone saw the announcement, they were told what to look for. But these guys didn't see it. And I love that because it was the same thing we all had as kids when you're however years old and you look at that logo, Brad's wearing it on his head right now, um, and you see the M and the B. It was like this special moment as a kid, almost as special as going to Chi-Chi's. <laughs> Full circle. My my favorite part of the City Connect uniforms is not anything about the uniforms. It was the reveal trailer. I can't tell you the amount of hours that was spent into giving the fans a cool release for a cool jersey. Uh, our producer, Ezra Siegel, was a big part of that. Editor. Uh, nice work, Ezra. Our editor, Cody. Our videographers, Matt and Colin. Our designer, Jeff. Like, there were so many people. Uh, you know, the production manager, Caitlin. There were so many people. I, I'm missing some who put in a bunch of hard work to make that successful. I was not one of them. I just pushed publish at 640 after a late night flight. That was the hardest part of mine. And I think that's a big win when it comes to managing workload. So I just want to give credit where credit's due because they really, really killed it with that launch video. And like, it gave me, it it got me real hyped for that uniform when I saw it the first time. It's so good, so good. So I just wanted to give some shout outs to the people behind the scenes for their hard work. Uh, I'm sorry, I know I missed a couple, but I decided to do this kind of off the cuff. I didn't prep anything and y'all killed it. You didn't prep anything? You sound like no, me. I didn't prep anything for deciding to do the video. Originally, I was going to say, like, I love the powder blue. But in the last second, I decided to say no, the video and give some people who maybe don't always get uh, called out the call out they deserve because, wow, they did. They made something that was really cool. They always make cool stuff. It was good. But when, like, you need to do something national, they really, they really killed it. I mean, I can't say enough good things. But that's all the time we have. Thanks, as always, for listening. Don't forget to follow our hosts. You can find Tim Dillard at Tim Tillard on Twitter and Instagram. You can watch him on the pre- and post-game show on Valley Sports Wisconsin and sometimes on the broadcast itself. Look for Adam McCalvey at Adam McCalvey on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on Brewers.com. Of course, make sure you're following the Brewers on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll see you next week. Thanks.